0: This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 569 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. On tonight's USDF episode, we have USDF President Lisa Gretta on the show to talk about the return to competitions as well as returning guest Patty Mayer on to discuss training for fourth level. After that, we will bring you a trainer tip from Micah (laughs) Delegdish.
1: This is Reese Coughler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky,
0: and this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show.
1: Hi, Phil. How
0: are you? I'm doing quite well, actually. Uh, and you? Yeah, good. I, I've
1: missed our. I, you know, it's hard when we have our Thursday because right now
2: mm-hmm. you guys off?
1: are are you know you're our entertainment, and Paul is our producer. You don't you don't hear him very often, but Paul is in England, and so it's kind of nice to check in with you guys. And I, I missed you all last week.
0: Well, I'm sure that you, you've you been busy and actually I've, you know, been uh, gearing up here in Ontario with horse barns opening and people riding. So I'm mm-hmm. um, sort of getting back in and, and my summertime is always like my, my winter yeah. is a bit laid back, but my summer is go, go, go. And this is it's starting yeah. to get like that. So
1: same, same. For me too. Well, yeah. we actually have our return to competition, which we're going to be talking about this week with Lisa Goretta. She's the president of USDF. She's going to be on the show, and so I, I do have students going to horse shows this weekend. So, like, it is go time. Like, I need a lesson <laughs> today because we leave tomorrow, kind of thing. I'm not quite ready personally to go back to a competition, but I did enter Follow Me's first pre St. George in a couple weeks, which is really exciting. And then I remembered, mm-hmm. I better t- you test it, shad belly on. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I'm like, oh, do wait.
0: all the preparation I gotta work. Do all yeah. the
1: preparations. I thought, oh, I better get that shad belly on. We have a, a local show here. Super excited. They're hosting it. And it's actually during the week. And it's a very much a laid back kind of schooling show. But it's a recognized show. Great first outing. Uh, no, it's at a local farm. About 40 oh, okay. minutes, 45 minutes from us. And nice uh, Meadow Lake. Chance
0: to, just a chance to get out and... Yeah. And, and not yeah. stable and all of that stuff. So that sounds fun.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I'm not quite ready for the stabling. So personally, and I, and I think everyone right now is different that I've talked to. Uh, some of my friends are are gung ho. Can't wait to go and tra- fellow trainers. And, and some are, are pretty conservative. So, I'm probably a little bit in, on the conservative side, so, but we do have a few little places locally that, you know, we can go. The horse park also has an area we can go uh, haul in and we don't have to stable. So some people will stable. I I, I won't. I'll, I'll, um, so, you know, that's me. But again, I have students. We're getting ready. We're gearing up. So, and we hosted a bit clinic this weekend. You know, we've, we, cool. Philip and I and, and everyone listening, we've all gotten into bits with Ham Springer and Vivian and Kim Gentry came to the farm and we did kind of a, a socially distanced clinic, uh, which was really fun to kind of, kind of get back, felt, felt very normal. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You know,
0: get involved in more education and yeah, good yeah. stuff like that.
1: Exactly. And that's, it's a fascinating thing. And, and, you know, I think we've just scratched the surface of it and to see and, and to have horses, we had some horses that were new to double bridles that were, which was, that's always a fascinating thing for me because I think it's a real big, it's important for the horses. And I think fitting double bridles is, and in the first time out is, is so important, bridle fitting. And so that was really cool. So that kind of jazzed us up here at the farm and, and we've been quite, quite busy with that. So it's been a good week
0: for sure. All right. Fantastic. (laughs) Well, after this USDF commercial, we will get to our main guest, Lisa Garetta, USDF president. Founded
1: in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Lisa Greta. She is our USDF president on the line. And Lisa, we're so happy to have you. And it is actually our USDF second anniversary of being the official podcast. So it's fun to have you. Thank you. It's great to be back. I know. And, and it's fun. On our anniversary show, we have some, unfortunately, we can't have a complete party today because we have some really important information we wanted to get out with you about returning to competition. So you USEF Open competition June 1st. And I'm going to let you take it from there because that's, that's about the end of what I know.
3: <laughs> well, there's a lot. To yes. Exactly. Yes. The the return to accepting scores and results and points for competitions began June 1st, so we're really just barely out of the box, and we've hardly had any competitions at all unless they happen to be a midweek one, but our, what was it, 10 weeks? Our 10 weeks of no mm-hmm. scores has finally ended, so that's very exciting.
1: That is exciting. That's a, that's a good way to start. So, I, I have some students that are heading off to events and dressage shows this weekend. So what are some things that what's happening? Just kind of, can you kind of give us the whole rundown?
3: Well, the, of course the, the reason for the extensions was because the states weren't really ready to start again, allowing events or gatherings or anything else. So now that we are beginning to see some states go into phase two and three and four, and obviously the COVID-19 problem is still with us. But um, USEF and all of the affiliates got together and came up with a good COVID-19 action plan. And so I guess my first recommendation for dressage competitors that are going to be going to license competitions is to get on the U.S. equestrian website. Or uh, we certainly have the link on it from usdf.org and look at the COVID-19 action plan. It tells you a whole bunch of information. It will answer a lot of questions. It's also the great place to find all the presidential modifications that have been made. USDF spent a long time going through the rules and then working with the U.S. Equestrian Dressage Department to come up with things that certainly many of the modifications apply to all horse shows, but we've got a whole section that applies just to dressage competitions, and I'll get back to some of those in a moment. But we also, for USDF, put together a best practices document that, you know, some of the other divisions have one page, double spaced and word size people. So we have five pages, single spaced. <laughs> so we have a lot of a lot of great suggestions. But the um, the biggest thing that competitors going back to licensed competitions will find that they need to read the prize list more closely than ever before, because many of the things that will be different at horse shows have to be detailed in the prize list. So that can be among the presmods. mods. Uh, some of the license shows will look a little more like schooling shows because we've relaxed the scheduling. So if you are a person who feels that you can ride within your normal time of 50 minutes and and you'd like to go in and get two tests over with and then get off the grounds, we've made that accommodation to do that. At the same time, that's going to make horse shows look a little different from the results standpoint. And when you go to the horse show, you might see a a judge looking as though they're missing a scribe because they're communicating with a scribe in another location, or they might be on two opposite ends of the box, or you might have one that's on the side. It's going to look a little different and we're going to have to be perhaps a little more accepting of different when we go to the horse shows than, oh, well, massage people are going to be.
1: <laughs> yes, I think that's true. That's true. And, and what are some things, yeah. you know, that with masks, right? That's a That's a been a big question mark. Masks, yes. That that
3: goes back to the COVID nineteen action plan, um, which I'll say again, good good place to start reading. There have been a lot of questions about masks and a lot of people worried about riding with masks and how they could possibly breathe that. At the end of the day, the requirement is that you must wear a face mask if you are not mounted, if you're a competitor. If you're in the stabling and you're within six feet of people or by the warm-up within six feet of people, then you must wear a mask. But when you're actually riding, then you do not have to wear the mask. So in starting to get ready for shows, some of the things that the competitors are going to have to get used to doing is taking their temperature in the morning. People who have gone back to work and are no longer working from home might be used to that already. It's kind of the same scenario. You have to take your temperature and you have to be able to tell them that you are symptom free. So that's also a question that will be on the grounds. Now, if you're an official or a member of competition management or a volunteer at the competition, then you will um, have your temperature taken. That is a requirement, but you'll have that same need to know that you are symptom-free, expect that people are going to be asking you if you've been around anyone within 14 days who had COVID-19, or if anyone in your normal workplace community travels has been positive or tested positive. So I hope that people will be able to get past the annoyance of that because it's going to happen a lot. I do hope that people are going to be volunteers at our competitions because, of course, we know that dressage tends to run on volunteer power, and we'll Mm -hmm. need everybody to help us get things going. But at the same time, we won't have spectators. We'll only have participants. And again, if you go back to that action plan, there is a good definition of participants. So it's the riders, the grooms, the trainers, not extra spectators. Um, Not owners if they're not riding. It will be a limited number of people that are permitted on the grounds, and that's going to last uh, at least through the rest of the season.
1: Okay, so so this is a question because I it's my personal question. I'm going to a horse show in a couple weeks, and we will be hauling in. So we'll be in our uh, our trailer, and you know our group. When we are not, when we're at the trailer with our group, requ- are we required to wear masks? Or are you only required to wear masks when you're in the stabling or you're in, how does that work?
3: Well, in, in hauling in, there are a couple of things. One, when you trailer in, remember social distancing, even for trailer parking. So don't, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes you go to a horse show and you're right smack up next to somebody else's trailer. Hopefully the horse show is going to be prepared for that, but competitors are going to need to be mindful of that as well and, and park a distance away. The... The within family thing is a little bit tricky, Mm -hmm. but once you are on the ground and you're within six feet of somebody, you should be wearing a mask. If for no other reason than as the president of USDF, the thing I do not want to see on social media and nobody else does either is pictures of equestrians around other people, not wearing masks all over social media because equestrian sports is not going to need that one of the things that's helping us get equestrian sports going again is that we are very low in the rating of contact and sports and safety and ability to distance so this is where we really shine Um, we already know how to be uh, extra careful and socially distant and not mixing tools and all that other good stuff because we deal with equine illnesses so my policy right. in going to horse shows is pretend it's an equine outbreak of fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah. And how careful would I be? And that's how careful we need to be.
1: I think that's a great way so, to think about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And um, splitting, splitting equipment, you know, water hoses and uh, muck tubs at the wash rack, all of those things should be handled wearing gloves. Mm-hmm. And ideally you will not be sharing tools, but Particularly now with your group, when you're packing the trailer, I would suggest that you not take everything and the kitchen sink.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's, that's going to be good. Try and try and keep it light. Keep it what you need in your case. If you want your students to be riding, you know, say you've got some at first level and some at third level and some at pre-St. George, if you um, can work with competition management and it's specified in the prize list that they are ready and able to do that for you you might be able to have all of your students in and out and off the grounds in two hours but they won't necessarily have their class results so you're going to have to be patient about that some horse shows are very very electronic and they'll still be able to get stuff out right away ones that are a little Mm -hmm. more traditional and paper driven might be um, scanning and emailing tests out or they might have people who schedule throughout the day so that class that normally would have been run in its entirety altogether, as the rules uh, require. Now we've modified that, so. Okay, that's great to know. Totally so easier.
1: my whole group yep. can come okay. in, and theoretically we can ride our test, do our thing, and out we go. And out you go. Yep. Like you, show okay. manager. Great. They, they
3: are going to be trying to work with that, and and again read the price list because all that okay. stuff. Another thing that you're going to have to think about is some horse shows. Well, certainly horse will not have the same kind of concessions that they've had on the grounds. Right. You will definitely have, have water available, but in the prize list, they will specify exactly what kind of concessions are available. It'll either be prepackaged food or no common condiments with the hot dog stand, none of that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so you need to bring your own food So, so be prepared. Be yep. Yes, you might be, you'll know, you'll know if you need to. Yes. And, and, and this is a kind of a, what about the restroom? you know, where, where do you, where, where, anything with that? I know that sounds basic, but it's yeah. kind of a basic one.
3: No, that's, that's a, that's a very important question. And, and certainly one that was considered, you know, restrooms are ideally horseshoes our shows will be able to have more if they can, but they will all be required to do more frequent sanitation. Mm-hmm. And I would recommend some of the plans that I have seen, Involve having sanitation stations there so that competitors can be helpful in that regard, but they'll have to have staff to do frequent sanitation and, and be monitoring touch points just as they are in the shopping center. Stall doors, common areas, areas around mounting blocks. We're going to try and have more mounting blocks so people are not getting legs up. And, mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Less, and, less and touching.
1: Less touching. <laughs> yeah, which, less, right, right.
3: Yeah. And equipment checks. Equipment okay. checks will be visual. So, okay. Yep.
1: Yeah, so, okay. Everything and then any social events. Right. Yeah. Any social events are those not happening?
3: I would anticipate that they are not happening. Okay. It's, which is sad. I mean, if you're yeah. Parties and sure. You know a couple of people have said, "Oh, you're taking all the fun out of horse shows." Well, we're we're trying to be sure that we're we trying to have them in horse <laughs> shows.
1: Yeah, sure. Yes, we're trying to sure. have them.
3: We're trying to have the safety in horses, but I will um, unfortunately admit that we're probably going to sacrifice some of the traditional fun. Yeah. But that's that's also going to extend to you know tents at the end of the stable aisle and and we'll have to be a little more concerned about aisle width, so
1: not so much stuff in the aisles. And people are going All to be asked the- to not stay there, right? Congregate, like come in, take care of your horses, and and go. Well, right.
3: the more people there are hanging about, the more difficult mm-hmm. it is to remember to stay socially distant. We're, mm-hmm. Our dressage community is a generally very friendly group. We like to hang out. We like to hang out on the side of the warm-up. Now we're going to have to hang out six feet apart. It'll be an advantage for dressage because we're so many people use electronic headsets, so that's, yeah. that's helpful. But, <laughs> but distance, I expect to find some semblance of, of markers on the Rails of the warm up so that people aren't standing mm-hmm. in one spot, which of course we always seem to gravitate. It's working in the ring. If there are two horses, yeah. they're always right next to each other. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and, and and actually, as a trainer, I'm I'm currently not using headsets. I felt like that was kind of the one touch point and that we could have, and and I'm I'm personally not using them, so I'm going old school using my voice. Yeah. That was something okay. I decided. Yeah. So I, I mm-hmm. think if you are using headsets, yeah, you need to have a plan for that. I have one student who, who really needs the headset. So I do, uh, I, I do sanitize his, and it, but he needs it for actual hearing. Um, but anybody that I can, I, I separate and, and I don't share the headsets myself. So um, that's something mm-hmm. that I yeah, um, kind of. I've a lot of
3: trainers thing. that, that are doing that. They they have individual headsets for the client and the client mm-hmm. keeps that and then they just mm-hmm. disinfect the the mechanism between students. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yes, that is another one. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Le- anything else that you can think of that we, you know, I'm trying to think of going to the horse show. What a, a little bit about stabling. We talked about sharing things. Anything else about stabling that we need to be aware of? Well,
3: I would expect that if your typical showgrounds has, say, 200 stalls, and you're thinking that means they can have that many horses, try not to enter at the last minute. We're going to try and get rid of that 1159 on closing date entry policy <laughs> that, that we've well not such a policy. It's just a habit I'm, that we've all I'm, gotten into.
1: I'm guilty. I'm not going to lie.
3: Every, everyone is, everyone is <laughs> guilty. But it's going to take a while to figure out um, stall layouts so that there can be distance between groups. The presumption is that if a barn travels in together, then those horses and those people are all used to being potentially within six feet, but when you get into stabling where you have other groups, that's when it gets to be difficult, Mm -hmm. and that's why you really always have to have your mask available, because if somebody's coming down the aisle that's not from their group, that's that's a mask situation. Mm -hmm. There will probably be more empty stalls between groups, so that's going to take up some of the stalls. So, hopefully, people can get their plans together Uh, One of the things that you need to keep an eye on, and again, it's on the the COVID-19 portion of the website, is a thing called the State Tracker. And that has up-to-date, it's updated weekly, I believe, that has the current conditions, restrictions, requirements for all the states so that you know what your state requires and if you're traveling across state lines, what that state's requirements are. The most important thing to know is that all of this is going to be controlled by forces that are above our pay grade. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. going to be the world health organization, the CDC, Mm -hmm. the federal government, the state government, the local government, the local health departments and U S equestrian rules. So Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of reading. And in the cases of, where it is more strict, the more strict is going to be the rule that we have to go by. Okay. Okay.
1: Well, it's, you know. It's all it, doable, I
3: think. It's doable, I think, exactly. I think it's doable. It's, it's unfortunate that some states and, and some regions are unfortunately able to open at different rates of speed. So there may be a horse show that you want to go to, but their municipality is not ready for that yet. A lot of states are opening up. I know Ohio is, is in good shape. Um, Kentucky seems to be in good mm-hmm. shape. Mm-hmm. Um, but Colorado still has some issues. And it's We're all going to play it by ear. We're all, the executive board and the committees are all looking at programs and and working with government when they can and watching everything to make sure that as many
1: competition opportunities are
3: out there for people that are ready to show. And if you're not ready to show, that's okay,
1: yeah. too. Right, I think that that's you know I I personally um, you know I'm I'm okay with uh, sort of local shows that I know I can call into and and I know the venue and I feel pretty safe there. I I'm not at the moment personally comfortable crossing state lines, so again I, I think that's really important to stress. If you're not ready to go, don't go, don't go. Okay. If you're not able yeah. to um, read the guidelines and and you don't want to follow the guidelines and you don't want to wear the mask, don't go right now. Uh, just wait. And and there will be horse shows. There will continue to be horse shows when we can. And, you know, we're all going to have to be a little bit flexible. And it's just like everything else. It's like going to the grocery store. It's different every time. So I, but I, I am thankful to Lisa, to you, USDF, the executive board, all the committees, this is a tremendous amount of work that you've all been putting into this and, and you're monitoring it all the time and, and, um, you're doing a great job and I'm glad we can all return to, to competitions, uh, if you feel ready. And, uh, I think it's fantastic. So, so Lisa, again, one more time, remind us where we can all, and we're all going to have to sit down. If you're going to go to a horse show, please. Read what Lisa's gonna tell you to read so you you know and you're you're gonna be prepared. So Lisa, where can everyone find all the information?
3: So the easiest single spot is go to usdf.org. And from there you will find links to the US Equestrian website and the COVID-19 section that has the COVID-19 action plan, the frequently asked questions, all the presidential modifications. On the USDF site, you'll find best practices for dressage competition. Also, it is extremely, extremely important to read the prize list. If you have questions, contact show management about things like um, scheduling, what they're going to be doing, should you expect that your test is going to be ready. Plan to do everything electronically that you can. Everybody needs to be part of the I want to have a perfect entry contest so mm-hmm. that you don't have to make trips to the show office. Uh, so make sure that all of your paperwork and signatures, you'll find a new um, release waiver at, that is a required for all competitions. That's kind of lengthy, but it's it covers the federations and it covers the competitions. So that will be something that's new. Best thing to do is plan ahead, sit down with your coach, sit down with your fellow traveling massage people figure out (laughs) your plan and then go and have a good time. Enjoy your horses. If your horse, if you have unfortunately not been able to ride for a while and you've not had access to your barn, um, Dr. Clayton did an excellent article for us. That's on org. Sorry.
1: And she came, she also um, came uh, on to, to the show. You can, you can also search her here on the show. We did an interview two weeks ago, right, Phil? that yep. it was two she weeks did ago also, Hillary
0: came on yeah we talked yep. all about yep. you know I'm, returning I'm to I'm competition back.
1: yep yeah. so we've done yeah, an interview definitely. and you can read the text as well so lots of lots of resources and and Lisa everyone can call the office if you have extra questions Call the office at USPF and they will get you to who you need to. Well, again, Lisa, thank you so much for all the work you've been putting in. This was, uh, I'm sure, not on the, on the list when you became president, but we are so thankful you came on the show. And we're thankful for all the work you guys are doing and that we can have the opportunity to go back to horse shows. So let's all really try to tr- do the protocols, read, so that we can continue horse shows going on for the season. So, Lisa, thanks so much for your time tonight. And we look thank forward you so to... Much. Going back to going back to a little bit of normalcy. We appreciate it. A
3: little bit of normal. Yes. And congratulations on your podcast anniversary.
1: I know. Second anniversary. We're, we're thrilled to be the official podcast of USDF and we enjoy it very much. So thanks for, for having us a part of the team. Thank you. Well, right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back with Patty Mayer on our discussion of fourth level.
0: Vitamin E is a powerful
2: antioxidant that supports healthy muscle and nerve function by limiting cellular damage. Green grass is the best source of vitamin E for horses, but most horses don't spend enough time grazing to meet their needs. Hay grain and winter pasture provide little to no natural vitamin E. To ensure your horse's vitamin E requirements are met, choose Elevate. Elevate contains a readily available source of natural vitamin E. Elevate is cost effective and easy to feed. To learn more about Elevate, visit the Kentucky Performance Products website at kppusa.com.
1: Well, tonight we are very excited to have our now frequent guest, who we love, Patty Mayer. She's an international um, rider, trainer, competitor.
2: Patty, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's beautiful to be back. It is a gorgeous day here in Southern California. Just in case anyone needed a weather report, yesterday, <laughs> not so bueno like hundred and six at the Equestrian
1: Center today. Oh, Lovely. Lovely. Right, I rode in, in mm-hmm. kind of a, a thunderstorm
2: this afternoon. It
1: was a little like, hmm, uh, okay. I should get off. <laughs> but yes. uh, it, it actually is a little cooler now. So it's it's nice here now, this evening. And mm-hmm. Phil, Canada, what's beautiful. the weather report?
0: Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Like 28 <laughs> degrees. All
2: of Canada. Sunny. It's a big place.
0: Yeah, the whole thing is just. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, awesome. it's getting to be
1: summer. Awesome. I love it. Well, it is it is June, guys. It still feels like March 85th for anyone. I don't know if anyone <laughs> else feels the same way, but uh, definitely feel like it's in March. But um yep. we're so but happy me, to have me. you back on. Yeah. You. So, you know, again, just for people that are jumping in on fourth level, we have a whole series now. We've talked about each level. We had a listener question, which was basically could we talk about with trainers? Um, what are challenges at each level? And we've gone now through all the lower levels and we're now reached the highest of the national levels, fourth level. So Patty, get us started. Fourth level is a big level. It, it uh, has a
3: lot of parts to it. Level.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sure is. And it's, I mean, it's where you start feeling like you're sort of kissing at FEI, right? And both in terms of the level of collection of the horse and The stuff you're doing. So it starts feeling like your horse has really got to be trained now. I mean, or it'd be in the midst of being trained higher and really be responsive to the aids and really be happy in its work. And that's super cool. (laughs) That's when you start feeling it. Like as a rider, that's when you start feeling how magic this sport is. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: And,
2: you know, whereas at training level, I think you feel like, oh, this is fun. At fourth level, you start feeling, oh, wow, this is magic and sort of addictive. Mm -hmm. And um, so there you go. And you have to start doing things like, oh, you know, canter pirouettes and (laughs) multiple changes on a diagonal, essentially, which are supposed to be straight, not like spinning sideways in a weird way. And so so there are really kind of tough and interesting things you know, you also start with a collected walk. It's the first time you do a very collected canter. It's the first time you do walk pirouettes instead of a turn on the haunches. So, you know, the walk, the pirouettes get a little bit tighter. You have, you, have, you know, you have a double bridle that's optional. We at some point should talk about the pros and cons of double bridles. And there you go. I mean, it's tough. Yeah. Um, so where where do we want to start?
1: Well, and in don't you think, and I think this is a question for both of you, I I look at fourth level literally as you know, normally you can look at the test and be like, oh, you know, I can do all three tests. In fourth level, fourth level one and then fourth level two are vastly different. And then fourth level three is really different than than the so you may be able to ride four one, take a look at four mm-hmm. three, and and you're not ready. I mean, four three is right. essentially and a lot of a lot of people would tell you the pre Saint George is easier than the four um, three. Yes.
2: and Although and, although they did it, I would say that they've made it more a more different they, test they, visually. Yeah. It yes. used to be that it was well, like harder than Saint George and almost exactly the same. So like exactly like Saint George, but har- but harder. Harder. Now, <laughs> yeah. Now That's, at least yeah, yeah. it's now at least it's different from Saint George. And I sort of like what they've done with a lot of like lots of single changes in lots mm-hmm. of different places throughout the fourth levels. And we talked last time about teaching flying changes. I'm going to tell you when you teach flying changes, looking at the patterns of fourth level at the single changes in fourth level is super smart because the pattern set up the horses in interesting and different ways, all of which go back to this concept of inside like to outside rein. So, can we, so, so, how about if we start talking about, should we start talking about changes and multiple changes or should we start yeah, let's, talking let's talk about like
1: canter pirouettes? Let's, let's talk okay. about fourth one because I do think the progression in fourth level is important. I don't know but what yeah, you okay. guys I,
0: think. I, I really like these tests for their progressive nature mm-hmm. because they yeah. can, they lead you just like you said, Patty, they lead you to a plan for training,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. you know, so yeah. you can be riding four one and have a plan for four three Yes. Without, without, I mean, and you could spend the season showing four, one, then maybe show four, two, like you can spend two years at fourth level.
2: Easy. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. For sure. You Easy.
0: know, and, so, and really get your, your horse's confidence up and you know, all of this great stuff.
2: Right, right, right. So, okay. So here are a couple of things we can start with. First of all, in fourth one, they have this, again, this goes back to one of the great kind of schooling things that, and I mean. I have all of my students do it. I do it all the time. It's movement two in the fourth level, S one, which is yeah, track left. You're going to change rein H X S over X. You're going to do six to seven steps of collective trot. Yeah,
1: that's I a great, love that. Yeah, movement. that's fantastic. It's it's a, it's, yeah, I I think that. A schooling. All, it's a fantastic. It's a, tra- yeah, it's yeah, sad It's, it's, it's a, four one instead of in third <that's> level. it should be in third yeah.
0: level.
2: Yeah. you
1: know it's yeah. it's
2: in four one, but it should come yeah. earlier.
1: but it is. I a just great love movement. it.
2: Mm -hmm. And, and I love it for a bunch of reasons. I think it is how you start teaching them to really respond in a collected way without pulling back. It is how you, so to me, it's, I think about it as this is what's going to become passage to Piaf to passage, that those aids are then going to become, you know, it's instead of it being, you know, medium to collected to medium, it's going to be passage to Piaf to passage in the same kind of conceptual way. So I love that, and again, I'm with you. I use that as a training tool all the time. The I think the next thing, you know, the next thing to think about is how about the half passes at the canter and the counter canter with a flying change of H. Yeah, should we take a, a look one. at that? Okay, yeah, that's a so, good movement. So again, super. It's super horse friendly, and again, as you're thinking about how you're teaching flying changes before you're doing third level. Do you, you know, uh, can you think, can you include this as essentially a piece of geometry? And I think you can and should. And Patty, tell, so, tell everybody the movement. Okay. So you're, you you have a collected canter. You're going down the center line on the left lead. You are half passing left from D to E. From E to H, you counter canter. And at H, you do a flying change. So you're going to do a flying change before the corner. They don't have to counter canter around the corner, which is a little bit cheaty, cheaty, but whatever. But I just think it's super horse friendly. Here's why. You come down the center line, you're half passing towards the rail, which is always nice for horses, right? Because horses love the rail. You're then going to counter canter essentially on a straight line. And before you go, before you round that corner to the right, you're going to do the change of lead, which means you have a beautiful opportunity. To set your horse up from the inside leg to the outside rein, getting them solidly in into that left rein, then you feel for you know then you feel forward with your right hand, or your right leg comes a little forward, your left leg comes a little back, and bingo, flying change. So it's beautifully set up, right? Mm-hmm. And and I just and I think horses like that setup. When I teach changes, I would do that, I would do that exercise, but I would get make the counter canter two strides instead of Instead of essentially, how many meters is that? That is 12 plus, so that's essentially 24 meters. So instead of 24 meters, I would be like one, two strides and make the change as a, as a way of teaching flying changes. So I like that a ton. And then you and go,
1: and you, you end up, yeah, then you do the circle, right? Where you do the very collected canter on the circle. That's a good mm-hmm. movement as well.
2: Yeah. And here's what, and again, here's what I, again, I do this in schooling all the time. Although I have to say, I do it a little bit opposite. So I tend to, and I, again, I do this on baby horses all the way up to my Grand Prix horse. If I'm in a 20-meter circle, I will think, and again, I'll move this around a little bit, I'll think I'm going to be doing a collected canter or a working canter on the enclosed side of that circle. And on the open side of the circle, if you're heading kind of towards X, I'm going to do a medium. So they get used to coming in and out of canter. And again, as the horses get towards fourth level, towards St. George, towards Grand Prix, then this concept of it's not just a collected canter. It's essentially, you know, what we would call it, you know, they say they call it a very collected canter. I've always been, it's always been called a school canter or a pirouette canter for me. So, you know, they're high, they have lowered their haunches, their shoulders are up. They're still in a super clear canter. To me, training difficulty, they tend to get a little bit braced neck up and you want to keep their necks down, but keep their haunches coming. But I think it's a super friendly movement and it's mm-hmm. so nice to do it before the pirouette because it's essentially a pirouette canter, but don't but don't do a pirouette. Right. Right. And right. I You're love training
1: setup for the pirouette, which right. is, is- arguably one of the hardest things to do once you Correct. once you do that so you do right. then you then you actually have three changes on the diagonal right one at the quarter line right. one at the center line one at the following quarter line right and I, I i like this as well
2: i think this is a i do moment. too i do too here's however because you know i'm you know old and this is how i do things i do them as five time changes because it helps me to count so just, you know, on a normal horse, and I don't do this from a particularly collected gait. on a normal horse, it's going to essentially be five times and the quarter line to seven or the quarter line. And it helps me to count it in order to center it. Obviously not required. That's not what the judges are looking for at all. But for me, it makes me be a more organized rider if I count. Whereas if not, I, I I'm have... like getting to the quarter line mm-hmm. and going, oh, wait, what I, right now I should like
1: make a aid. <laughs> but I will say with people that don't know how to count yet, yeah. the counting can can get tricky there. Right. Uh, right. I, happen, I happen to be coaching this test a lot right now. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, for my one student, they could do the five times or, or you know, get close. Right. My other student, that's too much. Right. Um, so I, so I, find, I think, yeah, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, I find with people when they first start writing this line, they really look down. So that's a big thing for oh, me is no, to keep your eyes up, you know, they get nervous and they start looking down. That's kind of been what I've seen. So we really work on going on the line and then riding them instead of, because it's the first time you'll see them all together, riding Mm -hmm. them as one change, canter on, right? The next change canter on, right? The next change canter on. And that Mm -hmm. has been a good thing for my students because they start, again, they get nervous and and then they want to do them too quickly and they start, I don't know, they start moving around. And it's like, stop moving around. (laughs) Think of it as instead of, oh my God, I got to do three changes in the diagonal. It's just do one, go forward, do another one, go forward, do another one, go forward. And that has been, that's been good for my guys. Phil, how about you? What do you got going on with that? Yeah.
0: I think that people's biggest problem is trying to get those changes exactly on the right spot. And just instead of saying, okay, you know, I want quality of rhythm. I want quality canter. I want to ride forward. And If they happen to be in, you know, at the right place, that's, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, yeah, yeah. don't worry about the quarter line. Just ride, ride a few strides, do a change, ride a few more strides, just like you're saying race, just ride a few Mm -hmm. more strides, do a change, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, okay, if you want to get really good at riding for one, then, you know, and and all of that has gone well, then you start to say, okay, well, I need to count, um, the right number of strides out of the corner and do, and start my first change or, you know, or whatever, but Mm -hmm. don't don't hold the horse back to try and do it on the quarter line. Don't hold, you know, don't, yeah. don't chase the changes. You just, just ride quiet canter. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if you've and done change, the, if you've done your homework and, and the, and and the, and the changes will, will take care of themselves mm-hmm. pretty much. Right. Um, so
2: here's interestingly going back to what the two of you were saying, and then let's talk about students looking up or I don't know, professionals looking up because yeah. we all look down because our horses heads will actually fall off if we don't stare at them. So here's what the, you know, here's what the, here's what the judges are supposed to look at for this movement. So first of all, it says three single flying changes of lead near the quarter line, near near the last quarter line. Doesn't have to be on it. Next, but what they're looking for, the first thing they look for is quality of the canter. The Mm -hmm. second thing is clear, balanced, fluid, straight, they always say fluent, but I don't know why they say that. Straight mm-hmm. changes and the last disengagement. Right. And interestingly, I have to say, I don't. Uh, I am not a person who thinks of engagement in flying changes. I think of forward and straight. Um, and you know, I mean, only enough engagement to actually do the job. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So here's, I'm going to give you a couple of things for looking up. One is I cue my students and myself. By the way to stare at the letter at the end of the arena. First of all, it does make you straighter. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have you do the you know, I'm going to do a change to the left, so I'm going to throw my entire body over to the left side, right? Because because you are staring at the end of the arena. For those who can't do that, and I try to have them do that with their chin up. So people will sometimes look at a spot with their eyes, but their chin is still down. I try to have them do it with the chin up and if I have to stand at the end of the letter and raise two fingers and have them tell me how many fingers and then raise five fingers and have them tell me how many fingers yeah, they come yeah. across as I will do that.
1: <laughs> That's really important actually. And, and anybody can do that. You can, you can send your kid to the letter and have them right. do that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so Patty, right. let's talk about four, two, because four, two, okay. again, we're, we're talking about a, a
2: new world here. What do we have in four, two? Yep. So four, two, you got four time changes. So now you got to start counting. So let's right. talk about counting. For a second, I and you also have working sort of partial pirouettes. Um, so I am going to give credit to Charlotte Bradal for this, which is because genius quest genius suggestion to me. So I have a client who is learning kind of fourth level St. George and learning to count changes. Um, so the let she's a musician, so I have no idea why she couldn't count, but she really couldn't. And Charlotte's like, "Oh no, 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 Get her off the horse have her canter on foot and count the changes on foot. Absolute genius fixed it. Huh.
1: That's interesting. And so, there you go.
2: Isn't it? Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I was like, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's genius. The way we all, well, okay, maybe not we all, I'm not going to speak for the two of you. The way I cantered around my living room when I was a kid and jumped little fences, like it's the same concept.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And I just loved it. And it, and because what this, what this student was doing, and again, she is an amazing rider, but she would land, wait two strides, then start counting. And okay. Two, yeah. uh, okay. That's common.
1: Actually, that is common. <laughs> like, you got to go. You got to keep counting.
2: Yeah. Got to keep counting. Even when, as they land, that's the next try. And it really fixed it. The other thing is to have them count aloud. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And so I'm a big believer in shout it out. And then, you know, and then you get to the details of it should be centered over the center line. It should be, I mean, straight is not a detail to me. Straight is essential to me. If you start swinging your changes at third and fourth level, you are not going to fix that at Grand Prix. You are going to have a horse who goes side to side in the once. And so this is the time to not mess that up. And again, I think having your eyes up, and and again, that's why I, I I'm always surprised when I see that engagement is one of the things that the judges are supposed to look for in sequential changes, because I just think, I mean, obviously they should have a correct canter and a collected canter and all of that, but the changes in general are more expressive than the canter itself, right? And in general, you want, I mean, and this, you know. Conrad taught me this, right? You want to be doing two, you know, obviously fours as well, essentially almost from a medium. So, Mm -hmm. so you not only have this beautiful sort of North of collected canter. So I wouldn't say a medium, but you know, a kind of more active and exciting canter than a collected, than a true collected canter. And then you're, and then the change itself in an ideal world is going to be bigger than the canter stride, and so that that's where the kind of beauty of dressage starts coming in, right? Because you get these amazing things. Um, I guess one thing we could talk about is, and maybe we should do it when we get to to the kind of almost pirouettes.
1: Yeah, is let's let's, so let's talk about the this. Base.
2: Okay, yeah, let's talk about the.
1: this again, this is a great progression in teaching canter pirouettes. So yeah, so go with that.
2: Okay, so. You know, on the diagonal, you're going to develop a very collected canter and you're going to do a working pirouette, <laughs> working pirouette, but not the whole way. So in St. George, right, you're, you're cantering essentially on the diagonal, um, you know, basically heading back towards A from, let's say, H, and you want to begin and end on that same line and you do a half pirouette and come back. In this, you're doing not quite even a quarter pirouette. So you're going so you're so you're you're collecting and turning towards the opposite corner. Uh, and let me just read it because that's gonna help. Sorry, looking over to my computer. So H to X on the diagonal develop very collected canters, so just like you did in fourth one, approaching X. So you have quite a bit of time to set this up. Working pirouette, so you know you're not shoving them back on their butt before they can help it, you know, before they are ready for it. Working pirouette left toward M, not back towards H. And again, I think that is super horse friendly. I mean, I love these tests, mm-hmm. super horse friendly. Why? Because it emphasizes the setup. Yes, they are turning, and we need to start talking about how you turn pirouettes because people don't. Um, <laughs> but the setup is emphasized. it's a really nice introduction to the horse, but all of the elements are there. and again, what a beautiful thing to use in schooling to help your horse learn to do a pirouette and help your client so
1: right and in Patty, can you read because you're by your computer in four mm-hmm. three Mhm. You have a similar, but you're going to turn it all the way. It's a working pivot, yeah, and that's turn, the big difference between four three and Pre Saint George. You go from this sort of a quarter 3-3. turn,
2: and four yeah, two to a half a turn,
1: to a half a turn mm-hmm. in four three. That's again. Right. There's
2: so, progression. so here's so here is the the one in in four three on the diagonal again. The vera, develop very collected canter, just like before. Before X, just like so. The diagonal is F to X. Before X, just like before, working half pirouette left, approximately three meters in diameter. By the way, that means the hind legs, not the front legs. <laughs> yeah. Proceed, collected yeah. canter. And before F, a flying change of lead. So let's, so let's talk about both the quarter pirouette and the half pirouette. I am going to tell you that there are very few things I can really, really do in the world, but I can help people fix their pirouettes. Why? Because most people have the same trouble in a canter pirouette that they have in a walk pirouette. So by way of example, if you sit a little to the outside in your walk pirouette, or if your horse pushes into the outside aids in the walk pirouette, they are sure going to do that in the canter pirouette, right? So I tend to go back do, and whether it's to warm up or whether it's to fix a problem that exists, um, I tend to go back, make sure that the walk pirouettes are correct. And in fact, to do those as warm up. Yeah. So I'll well, do quarter walk pirouettes. Do
1: quarter walk pirouettes. And that can sometimes help horses, uh, connect the dots, right? You do walk you pirouette and you right into the canner and mm-hmm. that's a great way. Philip help me with this exercise this winter in Florida, uh, this very exercise, you know, mm-hmm. you can, you can do that. And it really can help the the horse, especially the big dudes, uh, yes. ladies uh, kind of connect mm-hmm. some dots. So yep. I agree. Like it's a, that's a great way of, of kind of the progression. And yep. I think, again, if you sort of follow the progression, the tests, right. These are progression that they do a really good job with Perouettes because yep. this is, how you want to train pirouettes?
0: Yeah, you know this the is, these are tests that That's right. teach you how to train the previous St. George, basically, right? right. Yes,
2: using
0: That's right. these progressive ideas right. and and you know helping you to learn how to train. Mm-hmm. I mean, myself for for the quarter pirouettes, as I'm training the horse, I like to ride kind of a box you know a 20 meter Mm -hmm. box in the arena so that I'm getting used to riding the the quarter turns and you know I can make a corner if the horse isn't quite balanced how I want or I can turn uh, a pirouette I mean all it is is basically two maybe three strides for a quarter pirouette and and sort of four maybe five strides for you know a half pirouette so Mm -hmm. it's not that you have to sit down and stay there forever and you know you just help the horse to you know turn and go forward again turn and go Mm -hmm. forward again Um, because the biggest thing uh, well two big things in the pirouettes that i notice is that people want to crush the hind legs in you know overbend the horse and and drive Mm -hmm. them into too much of a too much of a uh, air feeling, and that's the, the horse can't do. You can't turn if you keep pushing mm-hmm. the hind legs out in front of his front legs. So don't mm-hmm. do that. Um, don't bend the neck too much to the inside because you need actually in the beginning. I need a little bit of counter bend to teach them to turn around the hind legs. Uh, you know, like a pirouette in walk and in, in canter is the hind, is the front legs turning around the hind legs. So that's not possible if you know if the hind legs are too far around the front legs that you can't do anything with Mm -hmm. them you know you can't get out in front of it a little bit and uh and then just sort of over collecting the horse and then expecting the horse to be able to collect 10 strides 20 strides like no get in and get out get in and get out and then the horse can get strong and stay in front of your leg so
2: So let's talk about this for a second so because because the original listener question was what issues have you had training issues have you had for these exercises so here are a couple that I've seen and and helped people with and some that I've had as well. So one is essentially, again, going back to it, these are exactly the same problems with turn on haunches at the walk or walk pirouette. Horses will do turns on the middle. So mm-hmm. the middle stays in the center. Their haunches go to the outside and the forehand goes to the inside. That will be a three <laughs> when you're competing. And it, re- and it comes from two things. One is it comes from, again, the sense of the horse pushing into your outside aids instead of going away from your outside aids. And then you're right, Phil, it also is them not being kind of organized in their bodies. I'm going to tell you that one thing people do a lot in pirouettes is they are pulling back to get the pirouette. They're, they're like, collected canter, pull back now. No, 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 no. Get that collected canter and... We should talk about an eating system to teach collection and, and high level collection. Get the collected canter, preferably without pulling back. But my God, the minute you're turning, you should be able to have your hands on that horse's ears. That turn needs to, from to come seat, from right? your legs. It needs mm-hmm. to come from your seat and your legs. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you should be able to, you know, once you have a horse who can do full pirouettes, sit there with your hands on their ears with them staying in a pirouette. your outside leg and your hip because they are because they're sitting that much not because you're holding them in a pirouette so to me one of the big rider issues is people get panicky about this concept of hyper collection and again or you know really sitting and again this is why i love this this fourth level series because to do it without the, the stress of turning in fourth level test one. To do it without the stress of a big turn in fourth level test two and then to kind of start heading, you know, start kissing at St. George in fourth level test three makes a huge amount of sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> and the horse too. And I mean,
1: I'm doing it right now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I've been in the fourth level zone and was it uh, did four three and and I felt like now it really did set us up for the pre-Saint George because mm-hmm. four three, you know, they actually have to be quite handy. There's also some counter canter loops mm-hmm. that I'm going to show my age, but this was in our young rider test 20 years ago, 22 years ago, whatever. Um, this was in our tests actually. And so they brought it back. It's also in the developing pre St. George. Um, yes. so when you have a horse, you know, that's quite handy in the canter, they can do that really well, but it's also a really good strength builder uh, because that's really the difference. You know, we, we when we get to pre St. George, it's just a strength thing and it, and mm-hmm. it's just like, I think of pirouettes like when I go do squats at the gym. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness! When you first start, you just—they're very difficult. And as you get stronger, they get easier and easier. Right. And it's the same thing. You know, fourth level again. That's why no one should rush through this because it's important to be able to sort of—you need to do four one, then you need to do four two, and then four three. Yeah. Because and and really take it to heart from the progression of training. So, um, oh, yeah. so it, it's it's. It's a great, great level. Don't skip it. A lot of people yeah. skip four three. Don't Yeah, skip I
0: it. mean, I am I'm, I'm just gonna say for myself and you know, for my students, it's a lot better to to be successful at fourth level than to suck at Pre St. George. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get get the high sixties, you know, and then and then move. On. I mean, people people wanna wear the tails, they wanna do the St. George. I get yeah. it. I was there, you know. But mm-hmm. it's not fun to, Mm -hmm. you know, you can do it once and you're like, yeah, you know, you pop the champagne, whatever, you know, I wore my tails and da, da, da. But you will consistently be high 50s, low 60s if you didn't do your homework. One day you have to go back. So might as well do it in progression (laughs) rather than, you know, so that's what I think, you know, and when you're ready to do Priest and George, you really are ready and you didn't take any shortcuts and you really earned it. And, you know, you can get your you can get your uh, mid 60s.
1: Right. Because right. we didn't say right. in four, in four, three, you actually have three time changes,
2: Correct. which is interesting.
0: Yeah. There's
1: no four time right.
2: changes, which is right. kind right. Yeah. So, which again, I liked the fact that they didn't just kind of duplicate the St. George, right. You know, you, yeah. you did four, you did four time changes last time. Just show us mm-hmm. that you can do three threes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. again, I like, first of all, I think horses like doing threes and love doing two. So it's a little bit easier. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, yeah you know, to, as a, on a show basis, the issue is centering them because you have to wait quite a bit of time to start, right? If you're going to center them over the center line. But I also like the fact that it's just three of them. And oh, by the way, if your horse chucks in a two, because it's getting, you know, horses love doing flying changes. Like that's their best, you know, as, as I think I said, when we talked about third level, it's like bucking. But the people are. But the people give you a pat when you've done it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like it's very fun if you're a horse to do flying changes. So sometimes they get a little overly enthused. And right. you know what? Who cares? So they, so they do once. And then, by the way, and that happens enough. So I can tell you the thing I cue a rider for, or I cue my horse to do is I don't. I make sure I'm asking for one lead before I affirmatively ask for another. Yeah. So. If if I'm if I'm doing left to right to left, I'm going to ask for the left re- lead until I'm asking for the right lead. Then I'm going to ask for the right lead until I'm asking for the left lead. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't get to neutral. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the ho- no, no, with a horse
2: know. who's with a horse who's thinking this is awesome.
1: Right. Right. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, so, it's so true. And and, and again, you know, uh, the progression here, I think that's what kind of the, the what we're all saying as trainers is go on the progression of the fourth level and and right. really study it for mm-hmm. training for the FEI levels because it's really right. important.
2: Well Patty, oh, I mean can, this I, is, can I actually talk about one other thing real fast? we do one sure. other thing real fast? You have to canter in and halt. Oh yeah.
0: Oh that's, that's true. true. Yeah.
2: That's true. Yes, Good point. You have to canter in <laughs> and, and halt, which is Super tough, FYI. Super yeah, tough. Train that. Definitely train <laughs> so, that. So yes, train it. This is where a mirror on the short side is your friend. So here's the deal: you want to figure out which lead your horse canters is straighter on, because you are looking at the judge. And if the, if your horse is always a little haunches into the right, I would enter from the left. Go to the left. When <laughs> when you when you do this, you should think at, at schooling you do not halt at X. At schooling, you collect, collect, collect. Let's say, I don't know, at D or something. And then you go back into your normal collected camp and you collect, collect again at X. And then you go a few strides later and then you halt. Yeah, no, it's true. then And then, so and you halt looking at the judge or looking at your mirror and making sure that that judge sees two front legs not two front legs and two high legs. <laughs> and that's hard, like surprisingly hard. Yeah. No, <laughs> Don't true. forget that one. Don't forget it. <laughs> it's true. That's a
1: great reminder. Again, you know, you're going to mm-hmm. have to do that for the rest of the horse's career. You'll, you will not right. ever trot again, again, after fourth yeah. level. That's a really good point. And that's a very yeah. trainable, trainable thing. Mm-hmm. Well, as you can see, everybody, fourth level is a huge level and we can't thank Patty enough for her time and, and her expertise. So Patty, how can our listeners find you online if they have any more questions or in okay. su- sunny Southern California?
2: There you go. So I'm on Facebook, Patty Mayer, P-A-T-T-Y-M-A-Y-E-R. I also have a little Facebook page for, I think it's called Patty Mayer Dressage. Pretty exciting. Um, my email is baileywickhouse at gmail.com, which I will bell, E for boy, A-I-L-I-W-I-C-K-H-O-U-S-E, Baileywick House, uh, at gmail.com. And my phone number, if you want to text, is 310-729-3365. Oh, and read the test directive at all these levels, but especially yes. fourth level, because you're going to be surprised at what is mo- most important. So you yes. need, The directors will tell you what's the most important thing about the movement.
1: Fantastic. Well, Patty, thank you so much. This has been so fun and have a wonderful, uh, almost weekend. Almost weekend. Yay. Yay. Talk to you all soon. Thank you so much.
0: All right. Thanks Patty. Take care.
1: Well, Phil, now that we're all back riding and I think we probably have a couple sore people also from our DRT training sessions. But I think everyone's back riding and using their total Saddle fit girths and the stability stirrup leathers. I certainly have been. And uh, I've been riding actually a lot of my students' horses. And, and I'm really starting to like the, the new slim stability stirrup leathers. I, I was an original girl, but I got some slim ones. I, I like changing the stirrups, it's easy.
0: Okay, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. I, I don't have a set. I was able to check them out when you got them in Florida. And have a look, but I mean, I'm just, I'm really a traditionalist. You're a traditional, and yeah. And I was, I was just like, I'm not sure I can deal with having to fold the stirrups, the stirrups over the saddle, <laughs> and, and that kind of stuff. So, but they look cool. They're, I mean, they're even, you know, less. You didn't. So with those slim versions, the buckle is not under your leg at all.
2: No, and not at so all. so
0: I can totally understand how they would mm-hmm. be even extra. You know, extra less bulk, and you know, uh, would bother your leg a little bit less.
1: Yeah, you know, and I found with you my the products
0: are really yeah. innovative and and really and really great from Total Saddle Fit.
1: Yeah, and I really have found with my um, small s- smaller ladies that it, it, they actually like it better. I, I I don't fall in that category, but with not as big of a leg, and I'm also a traditionalist. Uh, they really like that, so just something to think about if you're. Yeah. Um, but they're great starp leathers and i think you would all really enjoy them and i i we're both big believers in them so
4: yeah,
0: as they're, always they're going to help they're going to help your position and and if yeah. you're going into shows you know every little bit counts
1: yeah, exactly. And we have to thank Justin at Total Saddle Fit for all his support. And we're all trying to support local local businesses and small companies. And Justin's a great one to support if you need a girth or saddle uh, saddle pads and leathers. They have great stuff on their website. So check out totalsaddlefit.com. Well, we have a great Total Saddle Fit tip of the week from Micah Delegdish. We hope you enjoy. <laughs>
0: This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief Girth at totalsaddlefit.com.
1: Well, tonight for our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, we are so happy to have Michael DeLigtis. She is back on the show. Um, she is the 2020 N- Israeli Nations Cup representative for Israel and head trainer at Gemini Dressage. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, we're so happy to have you. So tell us what is your
4: total saddle fit tip of the week? Okay. My my tip of the week would be that when you are training, and this especially goes to riders who maybe don't get to lesson every day or as consistently as they would like, would be that in your riding to not avoid your problems, to be to hold yourself accountable and honest. And if you know oh, you know, my horse likes to be a little behind the leg, but I'm not going to push him today. I'm not going to go there. Or, you know, oh, he doesn't really like to bend left as much as he likes to bend right. You know, that it's, if you want to improve, honestly, that you have to find ways to confront those problems a little bit at a time, the best way you can, knowing your horse and knowing you're riding, that it's the only way to work through a problem is to face it head on and that avoiding problems doesn't fix them. So to be really honest in your riding and aware and honest that your horse is listening and reacting the way you want is the only way to make improvements in your day-to-day riding.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great tip. I know that a lot of us would, you know, kind of plan your ride for the day and just sort of like, oh, I really need to have a fun day or I need to
4: yeah. Need to,
0: you know, like I had a tough day at work or something like that. And I, you know, I don't really want to go through that problem again today or, or whatever. And we, and then if, if, if you continue to think that way, it starts to add up and it starts to, you know, starts to be a consistent problem and, then we are avoiding avoiding it. Not that you have to go really hard at those problems every day, but I think you just have to, you know, number one, look for ways to fix that problem. In whether you're yeah. reading or watching videos or listening to podcasts or whatever, like there's not always you don't have to always go after the problem in one, you know, in a certain way or or tackle it, but but you have to be figuring out how to how to solve that problem in as many ways yeah. as possible, and and not sort of around it and the other thing i'd like to say about is that is that you'll be surprised as as you're working through that you know your particular issue like you said whether it's left bend or whatever how much better some of the other stuff gets when you go back to it
4: a hundred percent you know i agree we're not we're not saying like obsess over anything (laughs) yeah that's true that's a good point crazy um you know don't take one go from one extreme to the other right but but definitely because sometimes these little things, they do also, uh, you know, we, we work in a pyramid and the levels build up to each other. So one thing, one little hold in your training definitely can lead to another. And by fixing also one thing, it can fix another and or, or just kind of open your eyes to another or maybe just help your horse respect you a little bit more. So those are also definitely really good points
1: I agree with. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think it's it's true. You know, it's easy to be like, well, I'm not going to really go there today. But every time you don't go there is every time your horse learns you're not going to go there. And I think sometimes right. you really have to just say, okay, come on, let's, you know, every day, let's work on this right rein issue or whatever it happens to be, you know, definitely go for it and, and and don't don't avoid it. So I think it's a great idea because, uh, you know, I see my students doing that and I'm not going to lie, sometimes maybe I do that too. But, uh, you know, it's well, really I mean, important. You know,
0: and if, if you don't have a coach on the ground every day, it's kind of like, well, I'm just going to save that for my lesson or, you know, I'm just going <laughs> yeah, right. to, you know, and that's great if your coach is giving you confidence, but you also, you also have to kind of work through your issue on your own so that you can bring a little bit of the discussion The next time you see your coach, like, oh, I tried this. It didn't really work. And that's going to help your riding really advance.
1: Yeah, Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, I love it. Well, we can thank you so much for coming on the show. And how can our listeners find you online if they have any more questions?
4: They can find me at GeminiDressage.com or on Instagram
1: and Facebook. Well, we can't wait to continue to watch your career and see how you develop. We don't know what showing's going to be like this year, but mm-hmm. we are going to all be training hard as we go through the summer. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, Phil, I mentioned just a few seconds ago about the dressage rider training program. We're on week six now. Week five almost broke me. The fitness of <laughs> week five.
0: That was the break
1: dancing. <sighs>
0: It was a step up, Ooh. so. And know, I'm not gonna lie, up.
1: I had one one student email me, texted me some not nice things <laughs> about it. Yeah. It was it was intense.
0: Okay, and, and, I, everybody. I, it, uh, the strength portion wasn't too bad. It was some ad, adductor work, which I feel like I'm pretty strong in in the old adductors, yeah. riding a few horses a day. That, you know, so. But these core work core workouts I hate are, the fitness. are pretty killer. Yeah.
1: I hate the fitness. I hate the fish. <laughs> I hate them. I hate them. I like wait till the like Sunday night at 10 o'clock. And I'm like, Oh, got to do it. So I've done them all. I'm just going to say, but everyone I- I'm sure send us emails because it-, it it really makes us laugh. And uh, we love hearing that you're enjoying it and maybe hate us all at the same time. But again, if you if anyone check it out, we're doing the dressage rider training program, all as a community. Uh, we started it during quarantine, especially when Phil was locked up, we needed to give him something to do, but now we're, now we're all committed and it's now yeah, getting now busy, committed. but, um, we've been good. We've been good. I've been doing it. So
0: that's good. Yeah.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, send us some emails and we love emails and Facebook shout outs. And if you have any questions for us, uh, we're always happy to to grab onto them and and add it to the show. The United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. That's usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search dressage radio show. Follow us on Twitter at horse radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is Reese at horse network.com.
0: I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is Philip at horse network.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at network.com.
1: Everybody, keep your heels down, your shoulders back, stay well, and we look forward to talking with you next week.